you like your health care plan. You'll be able to keep your health care plan. Source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our guest segment. I'm super excited to have him with us. We've been trying for months to get him on. And I believe he's actually here. My producer texted me and said, yep, he's on hold. He's there. Joe Horn is here. His book is Everyday Champions. And if you're not familiar with Joe Horn, uh, he's part of the whole Skywatch TV family. His dad, Tom, uh, is the founder of all of that. They've got so many great books, uh, guests that we've had on over the years. And I was reading a little bit about his his background. Not only uh, is he, he uh, an author of this book, but he's also a fitness expert. Uh, it says here, in addition uh, to this book, he's got other books, but he's also an expert on dog training. So talk about a diversified background. Joe Horn, welcome to Jim Paris Live, sir. Hey, Jim, it's good to be here. Am I coming through loud and clear? Um, I, I I think you could be a little bit louder. Is that better at all? Th- that's a little bit better. Yes, sir. And we okay, can always gotta... in. Go ahead. We can always uh, brush it up in post-production, but we are live right now. So uh, it is good. It's good to have you with us. And um, I want to get you back sometime about the health book because uh, I'm I'm a regular guest on Coast to Coast AM. I heard you on Coast to Coast with your health book, and we actually have it it, sitting right here in the studio because we're trying to get you on on that book as well. But I love (laughs) this new book. I love this new book, and I was watching an interview with you today. You're talking all about spiritual gifts and and so forth, but I want you to start with when this hit you, which I guess was not a long time ago, that this sort of, you had an epiphany about spiritual gifts for yourself and for the church, and then you wanted to write this book. So give us sort of the setup to to how this uh, uh, came to your doorstep. Right away, Jim, I believe that God has burdened me with an urgent message for believers during what may be our final hours here on earth. I believe that another great awakening is literally just around the corner, and it could be the biggest spiritual movement the world has ever seen. I'm talking about a massive harvest of souls just ahead. I believe that God wants to pour out his spirit in powerful and unprecedented ways, just like were predicted in Joel 2.28, including signs and wonders, by the way, the likes of which have never been witnessed before. I think God is preparing a remnant right now, and I think it's time for believers in Christ to recognize, awaken, and operate fully in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which God has given them for the days ahead. And it is for these reasons that I've compiled the book, Everyday Champions, because this work details the most powerful, yet what I believe to the most overlooked gifts in the Spirit, in the entire Bible, which almost never get talked about, which never get preached about. And these gifts literally invigorate Christians with new abilities to function powerfully in the Spirit, and I believe Everyday Champions is going to help people unlock and recognize their particular gifting, the very reason God made them the way he did for such a time as this. I got really hot listening to your open here just a few minutes ago, this segment on 
you know, how far does pedophilia reach? Now, I know this may seem like a strange pivot, but some of the most important people in my life that helped groom this once troubled youth, that being me, uh, were some of the most Holy Spirit-filled people I've ever known, and the gifts that they were involved in very much had to do with the rehabilitation of children, the support roles within the church, the things in the community that, that almost never get preached about. They're, they're not the sensational gifts that a lot of people gravitate towards. Um, when people hear the, the phrase, gifts of the Spirit, they often gravitate immediately to 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, the obvious ones like tongues, interpretation of tongues, healings, miracles, etc. But some of the most powerful gifts that God has given us are the most overlooked, or they're completely misunderstood. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 talks about the gift of helps, governments, and if you go to Romans 12, 6 through 8, it talks about the gifts of ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, ruling, and mercy. And see, all throughout the Bible, God literally incarnates himself into his own gifts. He literally puts them on display by becoming the gift himself to show you the significance in the Scripture. And some of the people that helped shape me, I should back up a little bit and say, when I was a young kid, even though I had wonderful parents, I was raised in the church for many, many years. My father was a multi-time, you know, best-selling author. Many of your listeners are probably familiar with Tom Horn, uh, multi-time best-selling author. I had the unique privilege of kind of growing up and seeing beyond the smoke screen, seeing behind the, the I guess, the, the glossy presentation that a lot of, you know, mega churches and very popularized charismaniac-type movements uh, put on display. This stuff just shows up on television. It shows up on radio. And a lot of times these gifts are either abused or they're misrepresented by people that are using them or abusing them to put themselves on display, if this makes sense. Like, for example, if I were to pray over people and there would be healing, or if I were to hold a, 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 a big what, and I'm doing air quotes with my fingers, but if I were to put on a great big service and then label that revival, even though I'm ahead of the Creator and just doing this for my own gains so that I can either sell a bunch of books or come off as though I am some kind of a super grand wizard for God, um, and there can be plants in the crowd, there can be all kinds of people involved in making it appear as though I'm some kind of super grand wizard, but I'm afraid that a lot of this type of uh, ponying up and putting on a circus show has damaged people with real discernment that understand what the real gifts of the Spirit actually look like when they're on full display. Um, and they've also damaged, uh, you know, ministry in general. And, and let me pivot back to uh, some of the most important folks in my life. Growing up, these people were involved in the rehab of little children. And I, and I got so hot listening to your open, the segment right before this interview, um, and I heard you poise a question. I don't know if you want to get into any of this tonight. <laughs> but... No, that, this is fine. I mean, it's it's in the news, and 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 you know, I'm not one to jump on the conspiracy bandwagon. A lot of people on radio do that, and it's it, it's right. interesting, and you can get a big audience by doing it. But when you start, sure. it's like the more layers of this Epstein thing that start to get peeled off. I don't know where this ends. I mean, or how high this goes up. I mean, we're talking about like. Former Prime Minister of of Israel is is, is presently doing business with this right. guy and said he might cut him off from business dealings. And I'm like, what? You're you're actually still having business dealings with this guy? He's traveling yes. all around the world as a convicted uh, sex sex offender. Anybody else? 
you're a sex offender. You don't get to go outside the U.S. I mean, for the rest of your life, you're stuck here. So something is going on with this guy. Well, it's 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 no surprise. Probably most of your listeners are the enlightened sort. Since they listen to you, they're getting a lot of really good information on a regular basis. They're probably not surprised at all um, to accept at least the premise, even even if they don't have concrete evidence. Let's just call it a spidey sense or maybe even a spiritual discernment that we have a two-tiered justice system in this country. Are you familiar with a man named Yaku Buyans? No. Yaku. Okay. My father and I are dear friends with a man named Yaku Buyans. He works directly with Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. Do you remember about six months ago hearing in the news, and the media didn't say a word about this, but in the news talking about this, um, I believe it was four, uh, let's see, $4 million, $400 million that was appropriated to the fight against sex trafficking and that Donald Trump had signed it, and it went through the news like, Oh, my goodness. In just a few minutes, they never said another thing about it. Do you remember that? I remember that being a very minor story. Yes, sir. Only because I read the news every day. Most people probably didn't even catch that. Well, since Donald Trump took office, he's worked with European governments. He's he's worked with um, our Afghani partners. He has been – take him for whatever you think. You know, either either spiritually or, you know, some people believe that God helped him become our president to save us from Hillary. And, you know, there's this whole discussion around whether, you know, Christians should be behind Trump. And I I don't want to take a position on your show with your audience about how I fall politically, but I will state it as a fact. And I have friends connected to his administration that have told me it is absolutely a fact. He's been one of the most aggressive anti-sex trade, sex trafficking presidents in history. Yakubuyans, the reason I mentioned him, um, and I'll tie this back into the gifts of the Spirit in just a minute, because your listeners have probably heard me, what is he doing? He went from the gifts of the Spirit, now he's pivoted. I'm using your setup to make how all of this ties together relevant, so just just follow me for a second. I promise I'll connect the dots, uh, unless I've lost you. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're, you're good. You're, you're good. You're on a roll. Keep going. Yaku Buyans is a dear friend of my father and I. He runs a ministry called Eight Days. I would encourage your listeners, if that's okay, uh, his name is spelled J-A-C-O, Yaku, pronounced like Yahoo email without the the H, so Yaku Buyans, uh, B-O-O-Y-E-N-S. He's a phenomenal man. He's a dear believer in the Lord, wonderful Christian guy. He runs a ministry called Eight Days, and what he does is he works both as an advisor to the, to the FBI, various government agencies. This guy is very high level. He's very connected. Um, he has shared things with me off the record that he cannot say on television, and I cannot share with your audience, but the man is very connected. And he has shared with me uh, names that I cannot repeat on radio. He has also disclosed uh, certainties around some of the very questions that you were asking your audience just a minute ago, like you don't know how far this goes. I'm sure that on a private level you speculate how high this goes, but I can tell you without a doubt one of the reasons that, that there are so many people in the media and so many people in our government hitting Donald Trump, wanting him to fail, trying to do everything they can to malign this guy is because they are mortified at the list that continues to grow of the number of arrests that are coming down the pike now. And yes, 
You might have noticed recently even Nancy Pelosi's daughter making the comment. Holy smokes, making the yeah, comment. Yeah, and she had said, she said, folks, this might involve some of our faves our as faves. in favorites. Yeah, and, you know, uh, and so, you know the, so it, it, implicit in that comment, Joe, is like, yeah, we kind of know this about some of our faves, some of our favorites, but they do other things we like, so we kind of allow this. And that sort of said a lot to me, like like this is an overlooked thing, uh, and we've had other people on that talk about right. sexual perversion and, and, and the progression of it and how it ends. Like after you've done everything else, you end up with children, which is – just bizarre yeah. to me. I can't even, my mind doesn't even go there. When I see a beautiful child, I, the last thing I think of is a sexual thought of, of a child, but this is where Satan takes you down this dark path. That's that right. It's darker and darker. It ends with children. That's right. And it's actually worse. We, I'll be very careful. I will not step on your audience. I promise. I'll be very careful here because I don't, you know, I'm not super familiar with the the, the, the listeners' threshold that, that come to this program. I don't want to divulge and, and just sicken everybody. But I will tell you, it's worse than just sexual abuse. There is a dark, occultic work in Hollywood and in our politician arena that would use children for the most insidious, satanic things you can possibly imagine. And this is this is another reason why so many people are literally mortified um, that Donald Trump is on such a campaign to put a bunch of these folks in orange jumpsuits because, uh, and I, I don't know if you listen to Mark Taylor, he's another dear friend of mine, Mark Taylor, a lot of people know him online as the fireman prophet. I met him um, years after he came out with his original Trump prophecy. And, oh, right. Uh, we had his co-author on about the Trump prophecy book, not him. He's in Harry Orlando, Colbert. actually, not far from me. But yeah, we had the co-author on, right. Yeah, it was probably Mary. Well, Mark, it was. He's just a, he's just a sweet guy. I mean, he's just a sweet, down to earth guy. He never wanted to be, you know, um, famous or or notoriety or any of this connected to um, you know being a prophet. He's never called himself a prophet, but but he's been so right so many times. And if you still listen to a guy like Mark and you believe that 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 he's still on a roll, he for the audience that's out there listening that are not familiar with Mark, he was the guy that uh, predicted back when Donald Trump was still running the Apprentice television show that God had spoken to him in the middle of the night and said that you're, you're, you're hearing the voice of the president when he saw Donald Trump on television. And he goes into this long prophecy that he puts to pen um, back in 2000, don't quote me on the year, but um, I want to say 2006. There's a video trailer you can look it up on YouTube. Yeah, but, yeah, it was it was many years ago. It was it was if it would have been like a bet, a Las Vegas bet, it would have been like a ten million to one bet, right. that it, or even a hundred million to one. Who would have thought that Trump could have ever become president, or would have ever wanted to become president? Right. Well, and it wasn't just that he would win. You could, I guess, you could get lucky and just select somebody and 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 get lucky, but. Also, in addition to that prophecy, he prophesied that that uh, Donald Trump would be elected president, that we'd be the greatest friends to Israel in a generation, that the stock market would boom, that the dollar would become the most strongest currency it had been in like three generations. Um, it, it was a very long, long, long prophecy that's still unfolding. Um, he prophesied that the Amer you know that America would become the greatest exporter of oil. But why am I why am I bringing Mark up? Why am I bringing all this together? Because Yaku works with 
Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump, and he is very close to what is happening here, and he has shared with me confidentially. Let me just say, Jim, when you speculate that there are going to be some big heavy axes drop, unless the Lord changes plans, you're, you're hovering right over the target, okay? Mark Taylor doesn't know any of this other than the things that I've shared with him privately, but he, way before I talked to Yaku or met the man, um, it, Mark was prophesying this also, that there would be uh, just a whole bunch of arrests and that at the time of the enemy had come to an end and that it would include um, people in our religious institutions, and that is, for me, the tie-in. So Yaku Buyans, he's working directly with the rescue and the rehab of these young girls. So where does all this lead? My father and I... Um, based on a bunch of the stuff that's in this book, uh, Everyday Champions, both my upbringing in organized, institutionalized, popularized ministry and getting to see beyond the shadows and kind of behind the smoke screen, um, getting to see what really ugly, crooked, fake ministry, uh, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers, your audience can't see that, um, <laughs> the, the, the phony, the phony, um, the phony pony shows that so many put on when they're trying to exalt their own throne above God's, when the focus becomes on the experience, the supernatural experience, and not the creator, uh, then a lot of people just assume that these gifts are the sensational ones, the miracles, the healings, and stuff like this. And this is what they're, this is what they're, they're conditioned to believe uh, the gifts of the Spirit look like. Or when they do hear a sermon on the gifts, it's something like that. My father and I run a rehabilitation ranch called Whispering Ponies Ranch. And when I say we run it, we have a we have a bunch of staff, so I, I can't take credit for everything that happens there. We've got horse trainers, we have therapy. This is the miniature the miniature horse ranch yes. I read about, isn't that right? It is. And we we have uh certified therapeutic uh miniature ponies. These are my goodness, they're you know, max weight, many of them hover around two hundred pounds, just a little over um, you know, they, they're, you know, from, from, from hoof standing in the grass to, to the very top of the arch of the back, you're talking three feet tops with most of them. We also have the, the world's second largest, uh, noted horse named Chigger. She stands at 18 inches tall, 18 inches tall. And the Guinness Book of World Records right now, as of the last we checked, was 15. So she's almost the smallest horse in the world. But she's a dwarf, so she's got a handicap. So these children that are pulled out of sex trafficking, they're pulled out of foster care, they're wards of the state, they come in through groups like Royal Family Kids. We host them. We have 300 acres and, a, and a basically a safe haven for these children um, where they come and they get to play on a rock wall. They get to learn about Jesus. They have Bible camp. They get to come and, and uh, do high adventure camping. And so much of that, is tied into the way that I was raised and some of the heroes that I write in the book, write about in the book, Everyday Champions. As a troubled youth, I experimented spiritually. I, I did lose my way at times and I talk about some of the most embarrassing, uh, chapters of my life where I was spiritually judgmental and way off, uh, way off the target. Um, but let me give you an example. Jim, if I may, of, of what I mean when I say some of the most overlooked gifts in the Bible. Is that okay? Yeah, let me ask you a question, though, first, because sure, I think you're, you're, you, you're on to something big that you just said, and, and, and maybe people didn't get it. I got it. Is, sure. is it the case? 
is it the case that at, as humans, we tend to be attracted to the gifts that give us the most uh, spotlight that are not necessarily the gifts God has for us? In other words, uh, I want to be the guy that's up there healing people. Or I want to be up there doing the big solo up on the stage or I want to be on on television I want that to be my gift because that lifts me up. Is, is that yes. what you're saying, that, that people are the mistake people make? Yes, and I, I've tried to be clear about that. And i also talking very quickly, and I jumped between trafficking because you got me. I'm blaming you, Jim. You got me all riled up with your intro. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but yeah. we go everywhere on this show. I mean, let's, let's, uh, let's swap recipes before we're done. <laughs> right, right. But yes, so so just in case I thought I made that clear and really didn't because I know where I'm going, but, but I don't want your audience to miss what you just said. That is exactly what I'm talking about. When the focus becomes, if I put on display either some pony show at a ministry revival, and I'm doing air quotes with my hands, if I organize some big event where I make myself the headliner, and I've got a bunch of books for sale or audio series or whatever, and I, instead of waiting on God to bestow upon me a gift that's actually the calling he's placed on my life, and to see what that looks like, and to seek him first, I get infatuated with a bunch of the really sensational gifts, like being able to you know, see people slain in the spirit or whatever, and I get ahead of God, and I decide to either have plants in the audience, or I concoct a situation. There are, there are conditions in human psychology, and I'm sure you know this, Jim, where if one or two people participate in something they believe, or they've seen somebody else participate in something right ahead of them in a line, for example, at an altar, and they see somebody fall over or begin to at least attempt to speak in some kind of uh, tongue, the Holy Spirit-derived tongue, even though they're being coached and maybe they don't even feel that it's organically God, but they're being told just start with a moan, just start saying gibberish and the Holy Spirit will take over. They're being coached. This is not how the gifts work. This is not how God works 99% of the time. Now, in my book, uh, I do talk about one of the one of the real encounters that I had with the Holy Spirit when I was nine years old, uh, being real. And then I would chase that. I, I really did have an encounter with the Holy Spirit where he touched my forehead, and I did fall down. It was over before I even hit the ground. It was like I describe it in the book as being like a weightless euphoria. It was like just just, uh, j just almost like floating in space. Even though everything was happening in just a second, it felt like forever, just for a moment. And then by the time I hit the ground, I, went, I was nine years old. I went right back to thinking the kind of stuff that a nine-year-old thinks about. I was thinking about wrestling matches and television shows <laughs> that I was watching. So I had this one moment in my life that really was when God decided to touch me. And the, and the reason I shared that story was because the surrogate was one of these guys I talk about. In the book, I use the pseudonym Reverend Peter. And Reverend Peter, we would find out later, ran away with a bunch of the church money, and he, he was having various affairs throughout the states. And you can Google this guy. He was very, very popular in the late 80s, early 90s. He would tell the audience he was the only wooden-legged MVP in, in, in the National Baseball League history. He was best friends with Babe Ruth. But he could get away with it because he was doing this back in an era where you didn't have cell phones with Google, where you could fact-check in real time. But this guy came up and prayed for me when this moment happened. And so I draw the analogy in the book that when your heart is ready, 
When you're standing before God and you're waiting for him to move, if it's sincere, he can look over the surrogate. He can look beyond the circumstances. He can look beyond the heart of the speaker who's there. But that doesn't mean that the speaker will stand before God at some point on Judgment Day when he's separating the sheep from the goats and not hear, depart from me, I never knew you, if his heart was in it for himself, for his own fame, for his own money, his own power, the, the, the optics of influence. Paul said the gifts would be given to pause, followers of Christ, which is a Greek word that not only means all, it means every. So that this means that every Christian, Jim, is given a gift. Not maybe, not someday, and not when you've earned it. You can't earn this. We will all be given a gift from the Holy Spirit. This is further shown and proven by Paul, by the way, stating that this would be phanerosis, which means cleverly revealed within each person. However, it's not just clearly revealed whenever we want. There's a scriptural caveat here. He says, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. In other words, the gift will not manifest unless the believer is willing to understand that the gift never belonged to the believer to begin with. The only reason the Holy Spirit would ever reveal what your gift is and empower it to its fullest fruition within you is for you to acknowledge that your gift only equips you to more effectively give yourself away in the service of the King. So I ask, which do you seek first? Do you seek the Lord, or do you seek the gift? Are you, are you simply trying to walk out His call for your life, whatever that looks like? What if it's not one of the ones that you're attracted to? In your analogy that you said a minute ago, you know, you said something to the, to the effect of, you know, you, you simply choose a gift, or you see one that you like and you want to sign up for it. Or here's some terrible theology for you. How many times, Jim, and maybe you've been there, have you been at a big service where there was a minister telling you that if you want to work within a certain gift, that there's a book about how to unlock that specific formula, or he's going to, you know, he's going to train yeah. you how to do this, or yeah, right? absolutely, yeah. And 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 as you said, it's, it's, it's not a buffet. It's, it's the it's the yeah, and it's the gifts that that tend to get the most public credit that people are attracted to, which goes all the way back, you know, to the Pharisees uh, in the Bible. It's just human nature. You you want to be uh, in the spotlight. And, you know, I've always said uh, I've had different uh, stages in my career. There was one time I was on the 700 Club every month for a couple of years and I had wow. best selling books. And and then I lost all my money because my accountant, who is my brother, embezzled two million dollars and I was wiped out. And so I sort of reinvented oh, no. myself as like a solopreneur. And uh, okay. we have we have a tribe of maybe about 50,000 people that follow me now, which is a small fraction of what I had before. But I don't really care. I, I look at it like, okay, this is the group that God is, you know, this is my, my sphere of influence. Now it's, it's about 50,000 people that download and read the blog and buy the books and all that stuff each month. Uh, so uh -huh. that's good. And, and I, I praise God that I have that. Um, other people, Rush Limbaugh uh, has something bigger. Uh, Skywatch TV has something bigger. There are other things that are bigger, but, but this is where I feel that I should be right now. And I'm okay with that. And, and and some people might say, oh, well, that's a 50,000 people. I've only got a church of 50 people. Well, if you've got a church of 50 people, then that's where 
God wants you right now is with those 50 people. We can't look at things in our own economy. Um, we have to look at it in God's economy, exactly. right? Because it's not about like, like what the world would say a success is. Uh, you reach that one person who ends up being the next uh, Billy Graham or the next president of the United States exactly. or whatever. That, that, that is a multiplier that you can't really calculate. You can't. You can't. In fact, my father, he tells this really adorable story of the first memories he ever had of hearing about Jesus was this little old lady whose name that he doesn't even remember, but when he was about five years old, he sat in a Sunday school class, and some little old lady sat there and taught him Bible lessons on vinyl graph. Do you remember those? Yes. Those little blue, yeah, they were like blue velvet cloths, and they had the little paper you know, characters that would stick to it, and they'd put it back yep. in the book. I was Bible in those class. kind of Bible classes. I was I was around <laughs> back in that day. <laughs> so, so this woman, if you if you looked at just that one scenario, this woman, uh, you could say she owns a part of the reason we're having this discussion today. Because you know, of course, my father he goes on, he raises us, he's writing all these books, he's touched all these people at ministry. Um, I, I'm taking my best stab at what I can offer. The the point is. And, and and by the way, this is a perfect segue to, to round this episode out. I don't know how much time we have left, Jim, but I want to if, if it's possible, about five I minutes wanna... or so. About five minutes. So so and and we're uh, broadcasting on our own network, so we don't have someone giving us a, a a five minute cut sign. We can go as long as we need to. But about five more minutes, I think, is good. Five to seven minutes. Okay, let me let me cover because I think this will round it out. Your listeners have sure. heard. You know, me talk about our ranch, and, and we've talked about what the gifts uh, on display when they're abused and kind of some of the fallout. Man, we've just talked 1% of what is in the book, Everyday Champions, because I really do. I chronologically organize some of the messiest spiritual stuff uh, that I ever went through as, a, as an up-and-coming Christian. And, and also after, you know, my father and I sat for decades on, on some of the highest boards in the, um, well, I won't name the denomination, but some of the largest organizational evangelical uh, institutions in the country. Um, chaired them, you know, board meetings, the whole nine. We've seen financial abuses, and then we've seen some really awesome, truly gifted people operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And and I want to I want to tell you that a lot of people. This is so important. If people skip the whole episode, please just don't miss this. So many people out there doing what I describe as the thankless, overlooked grind work of what most truly effectual, long-lasting, fruitful ministry looks like. I'm talking about the people that are baking the pies for the little kids up the road that are raising money for Royal Rangers or Awanas or Missionettes or whatever it is they're doing in church for little kids these days. Uh, it's the guy that's sweeping the floors that nobody bothers ever tell, thank you. It can't. You know, these floors look amazing. He's on his knees with a little scraper, and he's getting the gum off the bottom of the pew. Um, it's the little ladies that are teaching the, the Sunday school classes. It's the people that are in the communities making a difference. So many of those people would say yes. I'm, or the people I'm, that are praying in their prayer closet that never even tell us how many right. hours they're spending in prayer. Right. You could just extrapolate that and go in any direction, but it's the ones that are overlooked that nobody knows anything about except God and the currency by which he sees this stuff happening. They would probably tell you, if you ask them, hey, do you serve the Lord, they'd probably say yes. But if you ask them, are you operating in a spiritual gift, this is the point. So many of them would say, well, not really. I'm not, I'm not spiritually gifted. I'm just, 
you know, I've either got some talent that I'm offering back to the kingdom or God is just, you know, there, there's people that are more talented or more gifted or whatever, and I'm, I'm just kind of here doing what I can. And that is a sliding scale, a misperceived sliding scale of value that men have organized and successfully stolen. So people feel like, you know, what big-time ministry, what big, big, big ministry, the big stuff that God's really looking at are these big you know, where you can visibly track the numbers or see, you know, oh, this guy's got 100,000 followers on his radio show or whatnot. And and I'm right. here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that in God's currency, that's not at all the case. There's nothing wrong with having a massive outlet. I pray that your ministry flourishes, all of that. But let me let me show you something here. And, and I use this one a lot because this is just such a beautiful example of one of the most important gifts in the Bible that so many people are operating in, but they don't know that it's a spiritual gift which stifles them and keeps them from fully operating in it. The gift of helps. There's a Greek word for this. It's called antelempsis or antelembano, which means a laying a hold of. That's the, transla- that's the translation. People think that, that when they hear the word helps, they think this means to carry groceries for somebody or to be really handy or, or like, uh, you know, I see a person, let me grab the door. If God's asked you to move in that moment to grab the door or to carry groceries, there is nothing wrong with that at all, and I don't want to minimize that whatsoever, because, again, one tiny little seed planted into the life of somebody else can have an untold ripple effect. But if that's all you think that the gift of helps is, is being gifted to be really handy, you're missing 90% of what this gift actually means. Listen. The, the gift of helps is a rescue that we're talking about. It's a matter of survival. It's not a making something more convenient gift. It is literally a church cannot survive without it gift. Mary, the mother of Christ, while she's pregnant with Jesus, spoke of this same help when she was praising the Lord for rescuing the entire world by sending his son. In Luke one fifty four. she says, he, she's talking about the Christ, has helped Antelimbano, there's that word again, his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. So in this context, God himself is the helper. In this framework, he personally displays the gift of help, Antelimbano, right here in the book of Luke. When he sent the prophesied Messiah and saved an entire nation, the creator of the universe not uh, is not just demonstrating the gift of helps. He literally becomes the gift of helps as he saves the whole world and every believer in it and crushes the wall separating Jew and Gentile forever. So if you think you've been given the gift of helps, you mean so much more, and your gift is so much bigger than you can even fathom. If you continue to thrive in your gift, if you continue to seek the will of the Spirit with every helpful step that you offer with your gift, if you continue to seek the will of the Holy Spirit, you will see, think about this, you will see people enter heaven as a result of what you do and say. How can I be so sure that your life will, will yield this kind of fruit? Because that's precisely what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are designed to do. So bless you and thank you for your service. Is this making sense? Oh, yeah. Just just fantastic. And, and just that people uh, realize whatever the gift is that God has selected to give you, uh, that is the the gift that you're going to be able to do the most with, not something that you right. come up with on your own. I'll give you an example. I have never shared this publicly before. When I was in Bible college, I, I believe I was uh, was a, a freshman, so I was just 19 years old. 
I was, uh, my whole life was about playing the trumpet. I was a music major and I was playing the trumpet. I was playing in studios. I, uh, later toured professionally. That's how I met my wife in a Christian music group, but I was praying, uh, for hours one day, just like two, three hours. I was praying about God opening doors and blessing me mm-hmm. playing the trumpet. And I had this vision of myself on a mountain with a microphone, but no trumpet. And that has confused me all the way up until I had my first radio show <laughs> because oh, wow. that was wow. never, yes. that was never my plan to be right. in radio. I, my plan was I'm going to be this next Phil Driscoll or, or whatever on the trumpet. Right. And I, I had this vision of myself on a mountain with a microphone. Now, I don't know what, what, maybe that's just, what I'm doing right now, but maybe it's something even bigger is going to happen down the road. But that was a vision that I had that I was like, wow, that's not what I wanted. (laughs) That can't be God because I'm not a public speaker. I'm not a radio guy. Why in the world am I seeing myself on a mountain with a microphone? But then here I end up uh, after having been on, you know, having different radio shows for years and, uh, and here I am. So you've got to be open to, what that direction is that you might have your own human skills, which are not necessarily the same as your spiritual gift. Your, your human skills may or may not right. match up because God could just step in and just provide you with a gift that has absolutely nothing to do with exactly. what your natural gifts might be and give you those extra skills supernaturally. Isn't that right? It is, and a lot of people get trapped in exactly what you're describing because they misread talents. So think about this. They misread their talents for being their calling or their gift from the Holy Spirit. Having talent, like you mentioned that I, uh, you know, in, in your opener, that I used to train dogs. I, 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 I used to train dogs. I had a very successful business, but God finally wore me down, and I decided to be obedient. <laughs> and I don't train dogs anymore, but my plan was to be a guitar player when I was a kid. And there's nothing wrong, by the way, with having dreams and working really hard to see those dreams turn into something. There's also no way you can know at 15 years old, always, what you're going to be doing when you're 40. Because sometimes God will take you through a whole vocation because he's going to use it 10 years later. Way before my father and I ran a, 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 you know, a children's rehabilitation ranch for kids that had been pulled out of sex trafficking, years before that, we all ran a, a Christian youth camp in Central Oregon. And when we left that behind, we thought, what in the world was that about? We were being obedient, but <laughs> we're never going to see that again. But it was it was a lot of that that gave us the confidence to do what we're doing now. So you're right. You know, you can't misread your talents as your as your gift. And, and, and this keeps a lot of people hostage, Jim. They're in vocations. They're, they're grinding out things. That, but, they, but something in their discernment is telling them, uh, and, and, and maybe this is for somebody listening to this program, something in your discernment has kept you somewhere for a very long time and you've managed to rationalize being there. But for some reason, your brain is telling you, you know, your spirit is telling you, um, this may or may not be necessarily where God wants me. And so when I talk about grinding out and doing the thankless work, if that is something God's commissioned you to do, then stay the grind, keep your shoulder to the plow. But if God is moving you somewhere else, but you feel like it's your talent that's keeping you somewhere and you can't make sense out of it because he's wanting you to make a leap of faith, but you're really good at this thing you're really unhappy doing, and I was very, very good at training dogs, and I was happy doing it for a while. But when that season ended, 
Jim, when God started moving me more towards, you know, books and Skywatch and radio, and and that's a whole other show because I really fought it kicking and screaming. I am not a guy who who who, who does any of this because I, uh, I you know. Well, that's a whole other program. The, the, the well, let me give is, you this. Let me yes. give you this example and see if this makes your point. I believe four of the disciples were fishermen before they met Jesus. So, in today's world, if those four would say, "I'm going to be this incredible fisherman now for for Christ. I'm going to bring in more fish than anyone else. My fish are going right. to feed the poor. I'm going to get a big boat and 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 all this equipment, and I'm going to be this this just supernatural fisherman." And Jesus said, "No, right. you're going to be a fisherman." a fisher of men. <laughs> You're not going to right. be catching fish. You're doing this whole other thing that I've got here for you. It's not right. that you're going to take what you're already doing and you're already good at, and we're going to magnify that. We're going to take you over here and do something totally different. Right. God gave you your talent and he can use your talent, but he doesn't need your talent. What he needs is for you to say yes. And then to step through whatever that looks like. So go with your spiritual radar not a list of things you seem to be really good at because they don't often they don't often gel. It's funny how God does that, but he does. He stretches people through things that are uncomfortable. He has called so many of my friends and family into things and they stand there scratching their head. In fact it's one of the times it's one of the reasons they so often convinced it's God. They can say, This makes no sense to me on paper <laughs> and I and I don't really wanna do it. But I feel compelled to do it, and that, that is usually a more true qualifier than something that's really easy to say yes to because it's got a lot of glamorous attachments to it. <laughs> well, when I when I lost all my money, okay, so here I am. Uh, over a two-year period, I'm on the 700 Club 25 times. I'm like the financial go-to guy for Pat Robertson, and my fame was okay. like at the highest level it had ever been. Then I wow. find out like in 24 hours that I'm broke, that – my accountant, my my uh, auditor discovers oh my the embezzlement and all my money's gone. And so I'm going through this whole thing and uh, and I, I, I'm, I say to God, now what do I do? I'm this washed up financial guy. I've got nothing to offer. Who's going to want to get advice from a bankrupt financial guy? And God says to me, you're going to write a book about this. And so mm -hmm. I wrote a book about my story and about planning out my own suicide and, and all that darkness that I went through oh, called wow. how, how to pray for a financial miracle, which is sort of a little bit of a misleading title to sort of draw people in a little bit. Sure. But in any case, the, 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 this book and the Jim Paris after I lost all my money, I'm connecting yeah. with people so much more because people are saying, Hey, you're not like a real guy before I, you were like this, this sort of prodigy that had all this money. You were this young right, millionaire. Right. Now you're a guy who you lost your house. You lost your cars. You went bankrupt. Right. You were betrayed. And now I'm connecting with people at a, in a way that I've never connected before, allowing God to take that horrible thing that I went through and to sort of reinvent myself. And now I'm the guy who lost it all and is making a comeback. And it's just amazing right. how God can take these things. It's like, it was almost like a challenge, like, okay, God, I want to see you figure out some way that this is going to work out, that I lose right. everything. A financial guy loses all his money. So how could that possibly work out to be used? And there, there you go. It's my best-selling that, book. That's exactly what I would have thought in your shoes, not knowing anything. That's exactly what I would have thought, your thought process. You know, how in the world am I going to go? 
from being bankrupt to now go out and teach anybody about anything. Their first question is going to be, why am I listening to a guy that went bankrupt? Like, what is this? <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right. And actually, yeah. that's kind of what Everyday Champions is. I mean, you see on the cover, I'm pointing at the reader. It's it's because I'm trying to compel them to see that it's not about me. And and the stories on the inside, this book is not a uh, uh you know, look at me. I'm going to show you the the five amazing steps that I've discovered to being, you know, a rock star and living life in the past. I'm going to give you the keys to the Corvette. What it is is it's kind of like here's one big disaster after the next that that I experienced. You know, stepping in it as a young person, and the amazing men and women of God, the unsung heroes, the the people whose names other than these programs are never going to see the light of fame or anything else. But they were the ones that reinforced what my parents were trying to do to shape me into ultimately the man that I became. And so that is one part of what Everyday Champions is. And we, you know, I, you can, we can go as long as you want. I could, I could share. No, this some is about good. This is good. I, I want to, I want to make sure people uh, know that if you get this book, one of the key things about it is if you want to discover what your spiritual gifts are and how to unleash them, right. you need this book. And it's not like, our guest Joe Horn is saying he's like Tony Robbins. You can walk on hot coals because if you're like him, you can do all this. He's not saying that. I've read several sections of this book. Sure. He's sharing his own failures. Joe is sharing with you. Here's how I blew it. And here's what you can learn from that. It's not a book from the perspective of pride. It's a book from humility. And I love the book. And for people that maybe you're listening tonight and you're saying, you know what? I, I, I kind of have some skills, but I don't really know what that one thing is that God has put in my life as my spiritual gift. This is a book that really can change your life. And Joe, if people want to get your book, I, I see it here on Amazon. I know it's also available in Kindle for people that have the Kindle device. But tell us how we can go to Skywatch TV and get it as well. You can. You can buy it anywhere where books are sold. If you go into a Barnes and Noble, you can order it. It's it's it, or it's on the it's on the shelf. I mean, we've seen them in town out here, so they're everywhere. But if you want to get a deal where you also get a bunch of DVDs on teaching and the gifts of the spirit, and also uh, Allie Anderson's new best-selling book, she she was my co-author for Time Bomb. She's put out this really amazing new book called uh un, un, unscrambling the millennial paradox uh unscrambling the millennial paradox and it's basically an expose on how to reach the generation of millennials that most of the church has written off as unreachable it's an amazing book with a 13 week teachers guide and there's a bunch of free books and DVDs on this subject well we um, we need and, to do a show on that because I'm with you the millennials we've got to we've got to reach this generation we've got to the, her, uh, well, then I'll put you in touch with Allie after we get off this this program because uh, or I'll, I'll let you know how you get all. Yeah, our producer, TV. our producer will follow up. In fact, I believe yes. in our production office, we've got a, a new stack of books that just came in from uh, your publisher and probably Defender has sent us that book if that's one of the new releases. It's brand new, and right now, Allie really is the leading most authority on this subject. She's done research. It's not what you think. If you think you kind of understand where she's coming from without reading the book or, you know, uh, you've heard, well, you know, you reach the millennium, we're going to be a hip church. we got to get, you know, far. Yeah, if we just have an rock. app, then if we just have an app, we can get there, right? <laughs> or or if, we put, if we put a Starbucks in the lobby. Set up a Twitter you... account and then put a coffee shop in. 
This is not what the millennials are looking for, and she she makes a, a just a rock solid case in her book with a thirteen week. But you go to uh, skywatchtvstore.com, skywatchtvstore.com if you want to see a package with all that stuff in there. And and man, I hope this was coherent. including right. your we, book, which is Everyday Champions. And yes. Joe Horn, thank you so much for being with us. We sure hope you, you come back and visit again. Maybe we can talk health next time. That's also great. And maybe dog, maybe a little bit of dog training because I love dogs. I have a shelter dog that I'm working with a year and a half. I've had her. She's partially blind, was rejected by two homes, and we took her in. And uh, she lets me pick her up and carry around now. So I've made, I've built her a little bit of trust with her after a year and a half. I've got a few bite marks, but uh, otherwise, I think I'm doing well. Joe Horn, thank you so much, sir. God bless, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. What a show. This guy. I love this guy. What a great communicator. I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you did as well. Of course, uh, stay in touch. Let me know you're listening. Send me an email, jim at christianmoney.com. Like the program on Facebook. Uh, Give us a good review over at iTunes. Add a comment. Share it with a friend over at YouTube. And remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time.